Hello and welcome to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Woo! Woo! That's right. We're back. Episode ninety-nine. And listeners, you can all you can all tell now with the distinct lack of mouth breathing that Jim isn't here this week, and it is just me and Stan. It's just Stan's mouth breathing and mine as well that you can hear. Yeah, he's um, straight in the pub. It's a bit of an issue, to be honest, because obviously, Cook, as you're about to go into, uh, we've had some restrictions lifted in the uh, United Kingdom, or England, should we say, more specifically. Yeah, I mean, you can get you can get your hair cut now, Jim, you alky bastard. Get out of that pub and get back on this pod. But yeah, you can get a trim. You can you can go to the boozer now. The, the Trafford yeah. Centre's open again. Yeah, but, you can go. Uh, you can go to the gym. You can run some of that um, Christmas weight off, you pigs. So uh, yeah, enjoy. Yes, and last but not least, your birds can finally sign up for the gym. Thank God, your pig bird <laughs> may be a pig bird no more. <laughs> but we'll start at the Etihad. This didn't go to plan, did it, Stan? City got beat 2-1 by 10-man no. Leeds, who had 10 men for an hour. Yeah, definitely didn't go to plan. I um, I thought even City with a rotated side would hand Leeds' his ass to them with the way that they play. I just thought that that's perfect for exactly what City wants to do. Loads of space in between the lines, space in behind for you know the wingers to get down and you know fullbacks overlapping and you know uh, well Gundogan didn't play, but you know midfielders coming into the box into those spaces that Leeds leave and it it, it was the opposite really. I thought Leeds were the better team. I know City rotated so. You know, people can can argue that, but at the end of the day, they still had 300 million worth of talent out there and 300 million worth of talent on the bench, should they, you know, which they did end up throwing De Bruyne or Gundogan on and uh, somebody else, I think, uh, Foden, was it? Um, obviously, it didn't cost him anything, but there we go. Um, yeah, really didn't go to plan. I thought, yeah, like I was staying Leeds worth the salt completely. I thought the... Outfought City, they outran them. I thought City had a few players that, you know, the, the performances. I mean, Benjamin Mendy, I've no idea how he's a professional footballer. It was an yeah. awful performance. Um, he's a spaz. Yeah, I, th- I thought, yeah, and, and, you know, Dallas obviously scoring two, an absolute FPL delight with him being a defender, playing in midfield recently for... Um, for Bielsa's side, and if you like me, you you put him on the bench this weekend and he, and he got you 17 points, so... Uh, that's a big kick in the teeth, but no, Leeds fully deserving of the three points. And uh, I suppose for, for City, you know, without being too harsh, if, if they were going to lose a game in a competition, obviously it would have been the Premier League because they've got that that amount of points, that buffer to, uh, to you know, risk. And they will have both eyes on, um, on the Champions League game because that is the trophy at the end of the day that they want to win. Similar to when Chelsea won a few leagues and uh, Mr. Abramovich wanted that Champions League, which they eventually got. So I think that is the trophy that they want. And, and like I say, with the, with the points difference, I don't think, you know, obviously not. you never want to lose, but you can take it. Yeah. City, Jim. Get that idea out of your head that you're going to win the Champions League because you're not us and we're going to win it this year. So just just for starters, get that out right out of your head. Stan, the tackle that got Leeds the straight red card from Liam Cooper, I believe it was, was a terrible, terrible tackle. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was so high up and originally it was given as yellow, which to anyone in the naked eye could see it was a red card straight away. 
Yeah, uh, definitely was uh, a red card. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get on about VAR, but again, I, I thought it was used well. Um, and I've seen, I mean, we'll speak later, but I've seen some people saying, oh, well, that's the letter of the law. So it's right. You can't do that. But if you look, if you look at it, Cooper won the ball first. So the letter of the law is almost if you get the ball, but then you've got to apply common sense and go, actually, no, it was fucking knee height. So do you know um, what I mean? I, but, I thought it was used well, like you say. It was a yellow first, and it, it was changed and, uh, and given as a red. And uh, yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but yeah, it, it was a red straight away. I, I mean, I know a couple. I saw a couple of people arguing that it wasn't, but you mm. can't tackle me. Were from Yorkshire? Then people stun. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, they must have been. But no, I thought, um, yeah, no clear red card and. Leeds did really well, I thought. Yeah. I mean, I put in the chat, look, you know, it could have been a worse team in the Premier League to try and see out, especially at City, 45 minutes with 10 men, it would have been Leeds. But Bielsa took Bamford off pretty much straight away and brought a defender on, which I was surprised at. Um, I thought they wanted to keep him on as a, as a focal point when he, he had uh, Roberts and Rafinha doing the running out wide. And uh, no, to be first, and they sat, and I saw, I don't know about you, Cut, but did you watch it? I watched the match of the day highlights. I didn't watch it initially because so, I really won it. Well, I watched it and I saw a lot of people talking about, oh, uh, you know, smash and grab and, and City, you know, Leeds, you know, did really well to get the three. City didn't do much. Mm. They honestly didn't do much. I'd be surprised if any City fan, apart from if you look at the stats, 29 shots, okay. It's a smash and grabs in turn of Leeds had two shots on target and they scored them both. But in terms of, to me, a smash and grab is when like you absolutely batter a team and they somehow nick it 1-0 with five minutes left. I don't think at any point Leeds thought, shit, City are going to, you know, they're having a really good 10 minutes here. We're lucky not to be 4-1. And like, plus, so, um, that, like you just said then, seven, 29 shots, yeah, seven on target. You can't... You can't I mean. I'd, be, I'd, be surprised, I'd, I'd be surprised if their XG was much higher than two or three. And they had 29 shots. So that kind of shows where they were having the shots from. Um, obviously, okay, smash and grab in terms of Leeds had two shots and Dallas scored them both. But I was watching it, and apart from naturally thinking Leeds can't hold this out, if I didn't know if I didn't know about Leeds' history with leaking goals and I just watched it, I don't think at any point I thought, you know, these men are really under threat. Do you know what I mean? Apart from the territory that City had, but that's natural when, like you've said, you've got 10 men for 45 minutes. So... Uh, I thought over the 90 minutes, Leeds definitely deserved a draw. Maybe not the win, but I thought they deserved a point. Yeah, and obviously bar that bad dickhead Sunday league tackle by Liam Cooper, fully deserved and as a neutral, you can get behind well, me. But sticking with XG, Stan, a, a lad that is obviously doing doing a madness, dropping clinics in the Barclays, a man that you know well, Warrington's own Jesse Lingard, he's actually <laughs> scored seven goals from an XG of 3.8 since joining West Ham, which just shows what a vein of form he's in. And obviously West Ham beat Leicester 3-2 yesterday. And for me, every week that goes by, James Madison's in the rearview mirror of Jesse Lingard on the plane to, this, to these Euros because he's proven why we need him. Well, it's not just um, it's not just Madison. I mean, Madison's probably was never in the question. I think if I'm Jack Grealish, who's been injured, and I know that I've had issues with Southgate before, and I'm Sancho, who's been injured for a while, and he's out there in the Bundesliga, maybe not as much of a spotlight on that. Them two are going to be looking in the rearview mirror because, like I say, Southgate likes Lingard. 
And if Lingard carries on this form until the end of the season and maybe finishes somehow with, you know, is he on six, six, seven league goals, was it? Seven since joining West Ham. So if, 3.8 if, if yeah, so if he finishes with, you know, 10 league goals and, you know, three or four assists in the last 15 games or whatever he's played for West Ham, then can you begrudge him a place in the squad? Maybe in terms of what the other players have done, but... Mm. I believe you know, it's 11 goal involvements in nine games for him since joining West Ham. Exactly, exactly. So the, the form is right up there with anybody else in the league at the moment. If not, he's probably been the best player in the last 10, 11 games, which is crazy considering mm-hmm. where he was in December, you know, hardly played many minutes at all for United. But I mean, do you see him going to the Euros? If, do you think he has to keep this form up? Even if he keeps this form up, do you see him going? Or obviously taking Southgate's opinion of him into account as well. Yeah, I th- I think obviously with with seven six games left, depending on if you're in the FA Cup or not, if he finishes with a to- a total of eleven games, let's say seven games left, eighteen games, and he has fifteen goal involvements for West Ham, I think that'll be more than enough to get him there. Plus, he's I know we say it about a lot of the England players, but he's very versatile and he's specialist, and in times where you need legs, he is energy and. People need to, like Roman Reigns at WrestleMania last night, the tribal chief, they need to acknowledge him and acknowledge Jesse Lingard. Well, Ling- Lingard's a player who thrives when he's got space. He's really good on the ball. He's, he's, he's got a, I mean, as we see from his XG, he's got a, you know, a good goal in him from outside the box and, you know, difficult angles, whatever. Uh, and the goal he scored against Wolves as well is a perfect example of how well he can carry that ball if you, if you give him that space. So with how England are probably going to play or have played in, in tournaments, he could be the perfect player for us, like you say, coming off that bench. Yeah, and just last thing on West Ham, let's talk Champions League logistics. Both played 31 games, Leicester and West Ham. Now with the win, Hammers a point behind him on 55 points, one point in front of Chelsea. Is Leicester's arse going to go here because... They've got that probably the hardest fixture list out of yeah. Um, Leicester, yeah. Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs. Yeah, Leicester have got some difficult fixtures. Uh, I know they come to Old Trafford. I think three games from the end of the season, so difficult fixtures. And uh, Leicester's ass very well could go. I mean, we saw it last season, but just just you know. I don't want to dwell too much on Leicester because they've done, I think, brilliantly to be in the top four this season. I wouldn't say, although Rodgers did say loads of people wrote them off and said they wouldn't even challenge, which I think is a little bit of a step too far when they were in the top four for about 30 games of last season. But anyway, they have done really well with, you know, the the, the money and the squads around them to, to, you know, and the injuries that they've had, which we know they've had to, to, to still be up there. But it wouldn't surprise me to see their arse go, but I won't be too harsh with, you know, considering. But back to West Ham, I mean, fair play to David Moyes. A lot of people started the season, saw that first five or six games and had him gone by, you know, the end of September. So uh, to be where he is now with this team and, you know, Declan Rice has raised his level, Lingard's come in, I think Bowen, you know, they've got good players, Thomas Suchek, uh, even the players like Cresswell, you know, they've got a really good... They've got a good system, that system that they know and, and that they've found a system that, you know, works for them and whatever. And yeah. If could you imagine what a if if David Moyes was a you know a forty year old foreign manager playing three four three with a false nine beating Leicester three two at home and fourth with with that West Ham team we'd be talking completely different about it so you know we've got to give him credit and uh, I'd love to see West Ham in the in the Champions League I mean I don't like them as a club but just for the fact you know that they're so close now that I'd just like to see him see it through. 
Yeah, and Moisey, 100% building his reputation back after obviously failing at Old Trafford and then going out to Spain with Sociedad and, and failing there. He's He's gone to West Ham and he's completely, he's rebuilt his reputation, but sticking in London, moving to South West London, Thomas Tuchel, Stan, is making a bit of a reputation for himself in his own right. Yeah, he's done what I've... Um... Is this the first time they've scored that many goals uh, in a game? First time we've in. scored over two in a game, but that to me felt yeah, like so, the handbrake was taken off in that game. It yeah, I mean, up aggression just lashed out at Palace. He's doing really well, and I think you know what what Abramovich and Chelsea would have wanted in the immediacy after sacking Lampard is is you know top four, and he, he seems. I know Chelsea have got some difficult fixtures, haven't they? I think is that last five games is like. We've got City Villa, in the league, Villa, City, Leicester, Arsenal. Leicester. Yeah, so it's it's not easy. I think they're all most of them are in the top six or seven. Um, so you know, again, tough run of fixtures, but we've seen how well Tuchel sorted that defence out. Chelsea don't really concede, and and if they can add goals to that, like they did this weekend against Palace, where they were was it three 0 half an hour in or something like that. If they, if they can take the handbrake off but keep that back five solid, then. Uh, they should make top four, and I think he's you know he's done exactly what um, done exactly what was asked of him coming in, and you know you, you joked about it before, but if he does end up getting you know to to a Champions League final and finishing top four, then you know what more really could you have asked of him? I mean, what do what do you think? I know obviously you were upset about Lampard, but you're you're like me, you back you, you back you back the manager when you're there. You can't really throw your toys out the pram. So I, I, obviously you are a Chelsea fan, yeah. so you you know give give us a. Man. A little uh, monologue on how you feel about where you are at the moment. It, my my stance hasn't changed whatsoever. Eight, Eighteen month contract, okay. I'm not, I'm not getting carried away. The option is for it to be revisited if they get top four. If not, Chelsea can say, "Nah, you're all right." After six months, I think we will get top four. I think Leicester will bottle, and I think we're just too consistent at the moment. I think second, as you can see on our Insta with the ironic photo, is United's which is fine. If that's their trophy they, they want this season, they can have that. We'll have a Champions League instead and City can have the Prem. But but no, my chance is the same. I think it's a quick fix. If you wanted to build a project, like I said, it's a three, four-year thing. It, like it is a project. Then you go through the bad times. You, you're playing with the academy. You're slowly adding young players that have the potential to be world-class and have big reputation coming from other places. But... This is what it says. What what it says on the tin. It's a quick fix, and me as a Chelsea fan, I consider myself a purist. That I would sooner have a big project under our best ever player, which a lot of fans, the true fans, would have had the the patience to endure and be shit for that amount of time and still back everyone. And well, that's fine. But now it just feels like we've gone back to square one, like we've gone back in time. And it's like, okay, this person will sort us out for 18 months, two yeah, years. Yeah. And then you can win whatever you won. Roberto Di Matteo won the Champions League and five months later, he was jobless. And the, and the FA Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, and the FA Cup, yeah. yeah. He, did, he did a, a double. Uh, but yeah, that's where I stand. I, I am a huge fan of Tuchel. I've got nothing against the guy at all. He's a, obviously a world-class manager that's managed world-class players elsewhere. And it is a, it is a quick fix, but if that's it's Roman's... It's Roman's toy. He can do whatever he wants of it. Yeah. Well, that's it. You probably feel like you're back on that merry-go-round of a, of a manager every two or three years. But in terms of, you know, looking at it from, you know, Tuchel's point of view, he, I, 
you probably you you've got one step in the Champions League uh, semi final with the result away at Porto, and you start nicely in fourth. Which can you know there was a time in the Lampard where you would have snapped somebody's hand off the top four with you know some of the form that that you were in at the time. So I don't think from his point of view they could have asked too too much more than him. But like you say. When you add Lampard and, and you know, like a lot of your match going fans and your proper non Twitter fans, should we say, bought into that project and for it to be taken away from you to, to go back to this it must be a bit disheartening. But at the end of the day, if you're getting top four and challenging for Champions League, you can't be too upset about Yeah, it's not about, about it. Yeah, it's not about being like, like bitter that you got the sack. It's just a case of like, it's almost like what could have been. It's more of like, you know, like fear, fear of the unknown almost. Yeah. And thought, you were kind of sold a dream at the time, weren't you? Oh, like, like you know, obviously, when opinion, Lampard was that, he was the sacrificial lamb, in my opinion. Like he was the only person you could have put there. No one had touched that job with a shitty stick before, you know, with a transfer ban. And you've got to literally, you're going to have to promote seven or eight kids from your academy or out on loan to your first team now. But just to briefly touch on this game because I feel like it was almost a mini coming of age for a few players. Christian Pulisic got a brace. Uh, it's good to see him back. He, he's had a bit of trouble with injuries since the FA Cup final, really, last year with his hamstring. And the same with Kai Havertz. He's in this false nine role. He played really well against Crystal Palace. Mason Mount got man of the match. He dropped another clinic, just a monster class from him at the weekend, dominating the ball, always wanting it. He'll be, he'll be in my opinion, I've said it before, I think he's a future England captain. Mason Mount, 100%, I think he is. And I just think Chelsea's big squad now, is going to really help them this year because we've we rested quite a few players for Porto. Like Werner never even got on the pitch, and he's going to start on Tuesday, hundred percent. Like Giroud ne- never got on the pitch. Like Ziyech only got the last ten minutes. Like it's a competitive squad, and I think that's the difference between Chelsea, West Ham, Leicester, and even Liverpool to an extent. Our squad's bigger and probably mm-hmm. probably better. Yeah, it's definitely top three squads in the league. Um, I mean, some of the some of the you know attacking names that you reeled off there. Maybe the idea when Tuchel came in was to sort the defense out, and maybe now he feels like he's done that. And as you said before, maybe the game at Sellers Park was a you know a turning point. Maybe he will take the handbrakes off a little bit and go for it, especially with some of the big games. But I yeah. suppose at the same time, from Chelsea's point of view, with the position that they're in you know, right in and around there with fourth, if they win the other games and don't lose any of the big games, yeah, they'll probably be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. So, but you look at that attacking talent, I mean, if that clicks, because it hasn't really this season, if, if, if we're honest, if, if that clicks, if he manages to get that going, some of the names that you've said, you know, Mount, who I've done a complete 180 on, I think a lot of people have done that. I think he's gone up a level this season. Um, I didn't think that he was anywhere near as good as this to the point that, I don't think I'd be mad at all if he started for England uh, in the Euros. Um, so yeah, he's Chelsea's best player for me, and uh, yeah, like you say, proper proper leader. And I rate that with the age that he's been at. He got a lot of stick under Lampard and, and and stuff. Yeah, he got a lot of stick under Lampard, and, and you know, a lot of stick under Southgate, which they both come out and said, "Look, I knew that I knew you were a good player." Tuchel was, was unsure a little bit at first, but now he's a a mainstay in that team and, and when Mount's on the pitch. You know, with, you know, with that about the first, I think that's a bit misconstrued. Like one last thing on Chelsea, but I, I feel like that's a bit misconstrued because he got, he literally got the job the day before a midweek game at Wolves. Yeah. He literally had his first training session like at night for like two hours. 
And he said, I just went with experience for my first game. And he's not missed a game since unless he's been rested. Uh, yeah, so it's like a foreign manager does it and now everyone like jumps on the hype train so to speak now but yeah, it'll be yeah. big one for Chelsea next year will be I think once the I don't think we'll play free at the back as like a, a mainstay next year because I feel like we'll have, we'll have some funds to go out and get a striker go and get a, a centre back as well so I think inevitably Chelsea will go to a back four but for now it'll stay with a 3-4-3 three, three and it'll just the defence will just stay as tight as it is but a team that again, they make me lose my words some weeks. Stan Newcastle, the the fucking Burnley, were Burnley are they're still down there? I thought Burnley were away from this, but they're not. Newcastle have yeah. dragged them back into this shit storm here, and Saint Maximin and Callum Wilson came back from injury in this game, but Saint Maximin is, I think, with a top level coach, could be a very very good player. Maybe not world class, but he could be a very, very good player. I think he's yeah, I do. I think um, first of all, obviously, brilliant win for Newcastle. You know, to win, not only you know just to win, but to drop now. Yeah, to 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 come from behind. Although as as of recording, West Brom are winning two now, so that's a big result for them as well. Um, yeah, no, brilliant for Newcastle, and, and like you said, it's no surprise. I mean, outside looking in, I know Bruce seems to have a bit of an issue with him, but. Newcastle fans don't understand it and from a neutral fan as I don't understand why he doesn't play Sam Maximan whenever he's fit because even with one leg he's, he's probably the best player so uh, he came on goal and an assist and yeah I just I just I think he's brilliant like you say I, th- I think he is a match winner on his day um, I th- it wouldn't surprise me if you know, if he did end up getting relegated although you, you, the odds are against that now if he did that you know, maybe a top six side would would pick him up because I do think that he could go up to that level. Um, and I think he should jump to that level because he's, he's a bit like a Zaha, where you know he's maybe not at that level, but he is a match winner and he could skin three players with ease and score. You know, where, how consistent he is with doing that, we will only find out. But I don't think Zaha ever he didn't jump. I know he came to United when he was younger, but there was a time maybe two years ago he was linked with Everton for 70 million, Spurs, Arsenal. He didn't go up to that level, I didn't think, and now he's kind of missed the boat. So I think Sam Maximan's 22, 23. He needs to get that big move, I think. Maybe Zaha's um, alleged United career was uh, down to his dirty dick and Moise's daughter. Maybe, maybe yeah, allegedly. Maybe that came no. into play, but hey, Wilf. Ain't nobody gonna have a go at you for trying to get your dick sucked. <laughs> no, he's he's done well. I think no, Sat Maximan is brilliant. I think it's like it's like we spoke we spoke about this when we you know where the Newcastle go. Like some of the I know Wilson's injured, but Almiron, Fraser, you know Sat Maximan. These are players that can get that goal or get that assist or open a defense up, and he just rarely played them. So. Yeah. Um, I think that basically the more that Sam Maximan plays for Newcastle, the, the, the better they are. And it's as simple as that. The more more likely they are to, to win games if he's on the pitch. Yeah. So I mean Yeah. I was just gonna say they have to be realistic now. I was just gonna say they just have to be realistic now and and build on this because if they don't, you think he's gonna play in the championship, you're mad. No, no. You think Almiron's gonna play in the championship, you're mad. No, Dubravka, no. he's a Premier League goalkeeper. Callum Wilson. You, know what you mean? saw what happened. Plays out the champ. Yeah, you saw what happened when Wilson went to uh, Downey Bournemouth. He was straight back up with Newcastle because he is a Premier League quality signing. I mean, if he'd stayed fit, they might have been three or four places higher and we won't be talking about on like this. Um, 50% no, I mean, of their goals 
he's he's for Wilson. That's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, do, do you think the safe the uh, like you say six points from safety and they've got a game in hand on Fulham below them as well? So you would think so, but seven games left. What do you reckon? I, th- I think he's coming back to fitness at maximum at a really good time. Same with Wilson. I think they just have enough quality. At, but West Brom, they're they're completely making me eat word soup every week. Obviously, we, no pod last week. Um, not because we lost five two or anything, but uh, <laughs> but uh, West Brom, they're they're making they're making strides, and they're only two points behind Fulham with a game in hand, and mm. that they're, they're only eight points behind Newcastle with a game in hand. So. West Brom could pull Brighton and Burnley into this thing. This was a six-pointer for Burnley uh, that they had to win to basically solidify another year in the Premier League, and I, I don't think they've done that. Like, I just This was a big game for them, and they took the lead, and he'll be gutted about that, Dyche, 100%. He really will, and like you say, I mean, you'd say they're probably safe, um, but... Yeah, he won't be enjoying the fact with how low they are. Um, because, like you say, he's done really well with Burnley. And, uh... Give him some fucking money, you scrubbers. That's it. Give him, give him a chance to, you know, push the team because Burnley, I mean... They've got new owners now. They have, yeah. I mean, it's one of them with Burnley. I mean, they're always in there and they're all always, you know, between like 13th and 17th or something like that. I mean, yeah. somebody used the analogy the other day that they're like, it's like they're at an orgy, but they can't get the dick out, you know what I mean? <laughs> so they're just... They're just there and they're trying, but they never ever seem to really do anything. But the, at the same time, they're there and they're always there and they're just stood in the corner trying yeah. to get the... You know what I mean? So Walk you up for Lana Road and he just, he's just not... Exactly. exactly. Daishi can't get him going and then he gets going a little bit and then it turns around like it did at the weekend and uh, well, he's back to trying to he's back to trying to jam the cock ring on. So, you know, it, it is how it is. It is how it is. <laughs> you know how it is if... If Lana Rose can't get you going, the old saying goes, if Lana Rose can't get you going, then Sean Dyche will. That's the old saying, I believe. So, <laughs> But if Dyche can't get you going, then oh, fucking hell, I don't know what's up with you. You need to, you need sectioning. You need to go into a home. Yeah, exactly. And everybody knows that. And everyone knows that. Stan, Ollie's at the wheel still. <laughs> he is. <laughs> that was a nice United. Ollie's, Ollie's at the wheel still. Jose out. <laughs> well, there we go. I mean, it's. I, I did say to um, a certain Spurs fan that when, when Oli sat, uh, not Oli, when Jose signed that he would be sacked before Ole was, and uh, it's looking that way. I only, I genuinely think the only reason he's there is because he's got a final to play. I think if they didn't have that League Cup final, they would, uh, they would have got rid of him. Uh, and it, that, it wouldn't surprise either. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I think if they lose that. Final, he'll be probably sacked within about 48 hours after it. And Ledley King or somebody will take over for the last, is it three, four league games that's left in May? So, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what what do you think? Obviously, we both see Mourinho. Do you think the writing's on the wall or can he turn this around? I just, I just think it's, it's one of them. I've seen this so many times. I've, I've seen two tenures of him at Chelsea, I've seen him at United. I've seen him at Madrid. He loses the dressing room every yeah. time when it's near the end. And the fact that he said something along the lines of, basically, I've got so many grey hairs because I'm I'm not used to seeing professional footballers do things like that on a football pitch. 
And if you say that to your team, you're yeah. in essence saying, you aren't good enough, you're shit, and I'm class. Why, why are you embarrassing me? That's what I look like. And I, want to, I want to replace you all. Yeah, and my and to me, this, I said it on the pod when, when it happened and we had Kyle on, when Poch got sacked, but this is a, a marriage out of convenience, not, mm. not because they're a good fit, just sheer, utter convenience. He was available. You obviously have to respect the man's right to work. They're giving him a bucket load of money on a... You literally, they're deemed bottlers anyway. All you have to do, if yeah. he wins that League Cup, he'll say, oh, I did well at Tottenham. Exactly. I, won them I won them the first trophy since 2008. He, will. he, will. he, said, he said the same at United. Uh, you know, he won a couple of trophies. He was like, I'm the most successful manager since Fergie left, but you oh. fucking... Yeah, <laughs> three, three, respect me, but... He fucking upset everybody. We had a team that average age was about 20 fucking nine. Respect. Do you know what I mean? So, and then he just left. And in December, when we got beat at Anfield, he said, yeah, we're not going to get top four when there's six months of the season left. So that's that. That's kind of where you are with Jose. I mean, it's similar to what he said about Spurs, where, you know, you chuck your players under the bus, you give them no hope. If, if the... If your manager's there saying shit like that, then what hope have you got of the players, you know, turning it round? But it's like you said, it was out of convenience. It didn't really make sense at the time. Um, you know, it did with Chelsea. You know, Chelsea got money. Jose was, you know, this new swanky manager. He's a special one. He just won the treble at Porto. Madrid, perfect fit. Both winners into Milan, you know. Treble? Winner at a big, at a big club, won another treble. And coming to United, a club that wins stuff with a manager that wins stuff. But everywhere he's gone, it's kind of made sense apart from Spurs. And, and, you know, it's not a surprise that the amount of times Spurs have gone into winning positions this season and ended up fucking it up because Jose is a negative influence. And, and naturally that transcends onto the pitch when you've got a manager saying things like that about you. I mean, as a player, you must be shitting yourself if you go on the look thinking, shit, we got to see this out. We got You naturally drop back 10 yards. Yeah, so the thing is, obviously, you've just mentioned then about Spurs dropping 10 yards after going a goal up. I've just got some stats in front of me here, basically. Before scoring, Tottenham's shots faced, one. After sh- after scoring the first goal, 11. Shots faced on, tar- on target before scoring, zero. After, seven. Possession before scoring, 56. After, 37. So that literally just shows statistically what the proof is in, in the pudding stand, what you've exactly just alluded to yeah. then. Dropping 10 they yards really, and inviting the pressure. They drop back. There's a reason that they've conceded the most points from, from winning positions, and that's a mentality issue, and that's a negative. That's because of, of negative football and a negative mindset at the end of the day. So I'm not surprised by it. I, I was... I was. I mean, I'm not. Don't. I've not watched a lot of Spurs this season, and obviously, I was focusing on United on the weekend. But um, as soon as at half time, I completely fucking lost my head with that first half, and I thought, no, nah, it's not happening today. That's it. When shit like that happens, and then Son scores three minutes later after doing that, which I'm sure we'll go into, it's just not going to be a day. Um, but you know, second half, about 10, 15 minutes into it, I got you know, you get the feel that Spurs are letting us play here. And you saw from our equaliser, you know, a nice square around the outside of the box. Cavani misses and Fred follows in. Um, and that was it then. As soon as we got one one, I thought we'll, we'll go and win this game. And, and you know, we rightfully did, in my opinion. I thought we were miles away, the better team in the second half, and Spurs just stopped playing. I thought they were, 
yeah, they were, they were shocking. It must be annoying as a Spurs fan to be 1-0 up, probably against the run of play, especially after conceding a few minutes before you went 1-0 up to uh, see your team play like that in the second half. And you can always judge a Spurs performance by how many touches uh, Harry Kane had. And it must have been very, very little compared to the rest of uh, the players on the pitch, especially the United forwards. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll come to you as the uh, kind of neutral. I know you don't particularly like either of us, but you're a lot more neutral than I am. And like I say, I did lose my head in that first half. Uh, my head was hot, as the kids say. So what, what did you think about that um, disallowed goal, the uh, Cavani one with McTominay, you know, handing off Son in the face, as it were, or as they decided in the end? What, what, what do you think about that? And what do you think about football as a whole and, and, and VAR if... You know, whatever you think about it, go on. I'll, I'll let you speak before I push my opinion on onto you. I just, I just think if that's if that is a foul in in 2021, then fuck me. We need to go back to the Stone Ages because because if you're giving that as a as a foul, where McTominay is literally pushing off to go into a full sprint, he's not he's not trying to hold Son off. He's not trying to. Do what he's not trying to hit him, he did yeah. or anything. He's not trying to do that. He's literally trying to push off. And like I said, if you if you if you're giving free kicks for that, then I, I fucking hell, you, it's not for you. Go and watch the Masters. If you're giving that as a free kick, go and watch the yeah. Masters because that was ridiculous. And then obviously Spurs go at the other end, don't they? As a result, and obviously <laughs> go one nil ahead. I mean, it was great for my both team score bet that landed, but obviously as United fan, <laughs> I'd have been seeing my ass then. Yeah, I mean, it could have, honestly, it could have been anybody else, but for him to score and, you know, he was down for three minutes whilst they were checking VAR and I actually saw somebody tweet saying if, you know, if you're down for three minutes holding your face, they should probably use that concussion sub because that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously they didn't end up doing because it was bollocks. And like you say, it's, if you screw, the problem is it's not VAR's fault, it's how we're using it, but it's a scrutinisation of all these tiny irrelevant details that give you no advantage and don't affect play at all that is annoying fans because McTominay had already gone past him. It's not like he digged him in the face and then took him on after he'd floored him. He'd already gone. He was Son had already lost him. Yeah. And we not, not to mention the fact we scored about 30 seconds later. So there was about three passes before the ball went into the net. Um, and yeah, just a ridiculous decision, like you say, Son ended up scoring. But it's like the Wolves goal that was disallowed, the William Jose, I thought Liverpool's goal for Jota. It's just ridiculous and it's scrutinising irrelevant detail. that doesn't. You're not telling me William Jose or Jota had an advantage at all there. And, you know, oh, it's all right, banter. And, you know, oh, we love, you know, Var, live our pool and Var Chester United and all the, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, it is shit. We all know it's shit and it is ruining our enjoyment of it because, I mean, I, I've seen clips of, you know, United fans reacting to it and reacting to goals. And the first thing whenever anybody scores is, oh, is he offside? It's not fucking get in. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to look like a dickhead or be, you know, upset if, if you do celebrate and it's offside. And that is just, I don't know what you think about VAR and, and, and whatever, but, um, you know, it, for me... I, I would. I've said it previously in a pod. I would honestly get rid of it tomorrow because I don't think they're ever gonna use it right. I know you mentioned off 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 pod. Was it off pod about that um, poll that you saw saying will it ever work? I mean, do you think it'll ever work? Are they gonna do massive changes and, and you know because at the World Cup it did work in 2018. I felt it didn't I, ever feel like this. For any I have team. the solution for VAR. Right, everyone listening. Well, I have the fucking solution here. Right, 
don't don't right unless it's something where you absolutely have to have a second opinion on then don't just have your monitor don't have other people overruling someone else's decision but if you have to have that you have a panel of three people you have a referee you have an ex-player and you have an ex-manager yeah thoughts yes sorry sorry best two out of three obviously would prevail any decision but yeah you've you've got three different perspectives there I think that's a good idea. You've got three lots of experience. And it's just it's, it's just trying something new. It is the definition of insanity at the moment, doing what we're doing, yeah, because do I don't then. think there's... I don't know about you, but I don't ever recall there being so many, like, decisions wrong or that yeah, that you could argue with or that split opinion so much. And another thing... I mean, I know Spurs fans go, oh, Lamella got a second booking. Yeah, but that wasn't a second booking either. He just flung his hand into it. Is that, again, I agree with you. But at the same time, I understand where they're going. If Lamella's got sent off, you've got to disallow that because it's that inconsistency again. But I've also seen people going, oh, it's in the root. You can't hit somebody in the face. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't. You've got to apply common sense and logic to the law and have that feel of the game because, like you've already said, McTominay was going past and you see it all the time when somebody goes past, especially if somebody tries to grab him. They, they, they push their hand out to get him off or move away or have a feel of where they are. Because you could argue, oh, he handed him in the face. That's a foul. Okay, well, on the flip side, like what we talked about before, I could go, Cooper got the ball first. It's not a foul. Ignoring the fact that he was knee height, ignoring all the other common sense around it, you just go, oh, he got the ball. It's not a foul. Oh, he flicked him in the face. It's a foul. It's not black and white. Football has never been black and white. There's feel and common sense involved in how you apply the law. Of course, and that's why, obviously... Speaking about the aforementioned three-person panel, you get three different perspectives from people who have obviously managed the game, officiated the game, participated in the game, and yeah. but but last last thing on this because obviously we could you could do a whole fucking podcast series on VAR and they get the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. But the 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 thing is, it's not always a foul, even if I touch your face ever so softly. Just yeah. your face. It's up. not always a foul. It sounds stupid, you know but I mean? it is. You hear it on on the on the touchline on Sunday. It's a contact sport, ref. It is. You can make contact just because I've made contact with somebody in the box. That doesn't equal a penalty. I can touch. You can touch. You know what I mean. But you know, like you say, we could talk about it forever. I just want to quick. Well, move away from VAR. We'll end it with this. I'll just say, you know, United now twenty three unbeaten in the, in away in the league. By far and away, in my opinion, the second best team in the league this season, and, and you know the table shows that with that seven point gap to uh, to third, and, and you know we've gone from third to second, and you know people laugh like you know you've done with the second place trophy, but at the end of the day, going from third, scraping third on the last day to you know pretty much being in the top two since January is is progress, and United are making progress. I don't feel like we're that far away, and in the end, we were rightful winners this weekend, so. Justice was served, and it is a dish best served. Colade, gold. You get it, Ole? No, okay. <laughs> Hello, Cookie Pod monsters. It is the Frank Bastard, and I'm back because I've been down the pub all day drinking Stella, and now I'm about to batter your minds. Your pure wife. <laughs> So I've 
just been uh, isolated with COVID, but now my uh, shielding period has ended uh, and I am back again. And my question is for you, Cook, you're on your own today. I've got you isolated this time, not me. Yeah. My question is, which five players have the best Premier League penalty records? And they are players that have had to have taken at least 20 penalties. Right, okay. Matt Letiz. Matt Letiz is the best one. 25 taken, 24 scored. Frank One out of five. Frank Lampard is not, probably because oh. he took lots of penalties, but he's not in the top five. Not in the top five. Okay. I'm trying to think 100 club. Jermaine Defoe? No. No, JD. A lot A lot of these players, say, for example, they've, all, they've, they've, they've taken over 20. They've taken over 20 penalties. <laughs> and they've scored, maybe only missed one or two. So, players that have taken a lot of penalties, obviously, you've got a bigger window. So, yeah, that, I, that's the hint I'll give you. You took a lot of pennies. They're a bit weird. They're not three of them, aren't your natural goal scorers? I'll put it that way. Okay. Is Kevin Nolan? Yeah, penalty takers. He isn't. No. No, the Nolan. Uh, you got one out of five, 20%. Oh, this is difficult. I'm going to say Rooney. No. No, actually, I'll tell you. Why'd I say I'll help you. Mr. Fewin. I'll help you, okay? And this is for you at home as well. He's got Matt Letizier so far. He took 25 and scored 24. Okay. So the remaining four players, he's got the best record ever, are a forward, two centre midfielders, and a left back. So the records are, for people at home, we might be looking a little bit more into that. The, the forward's taken 25 and scored 23, so only, you know, a little bit worse than that. One of the midfielders, who's still currently playing, has taken 23 and scored 21. Left back, who's retired, 22, scored 20. And the centre mid, who's just played his 400th game and is retiring after next season, took 30 and scored 27. So he's about Leighton Baines is the left back. Yes, took twenty two and scored twenty. I was thinking Baines. he's fourth, fourth best penalty record. Okay, nice. So we've got one and four midfielder. So you've got one midfielder who's well, one midfielder who's still playing, and we don't know when he's retiring, and one midfielder who's still playing, but has announced he's retiring at the end of next season. Potentially with Mark Champions Noble. League football. Yes, Mark Noble, the fifth yeah. best penalty record. 30 taken, 27 scored. This Just is as of October. Hint as well, so foot years. This is as of October 2020, by the way. So don't be too upset, Mark, if you have scored since. Or the other midfielder. Okay. We're getting into the slugs now. So we've got a striker and a midfielder. Player. C.C. Henry. Thierry Henry, yes. 25 taken, 23 scored. And this last midfielder, Cook, so you've got Letitia, Henri, and then you've got your third place, and then you've got Baines, and you've got Noble. And he's still playing this month. He's still playing, yes. And they are a London club. It's got to it's gotta be Luka. Luka Milivojevic. Luka Milivojevic taken 23 and scored 21. One of them, actually, I remember, it was against Man City, 
because I had Palace to, uh, I think it was to beat them, and uh, it was 11 to 1, and they got a late penalty, and Anderson saved it with his legs. So one of those two in cost Costco? me about 100, 120. What? He was in Costco. He was in Costco. Me and you? Were we? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Getting a pizza. Love, love Costco. No, no uh, sponsor, but, you know, I mean, if you could, that'd be delightful because your hot dogs are brilliant. And we're so all going to talk. So, your top five is Mark Noble taken 30, scored 27. Leighton Baines taken 22, scored 20. Luca taken 23, scored 21. Vavavum Thierry Henry taken 25, scored 23. And Tim Falkat, Matt Letissier, scored 25, scored 24 out of the 25 he took. Oh, I'm melting, you fucking bastard. Welcome back, listeners. I know everyone's back in the gym. I know you can go out for a few beers, but your pig birds gym membership at Pure is not cheap. So I'll have to win you some money on the side. Come on, babe. I want, I want this. I want that. You don't want to hear that when you've got no money. You don't want to have to pay on your credit card. So listen up and I'll win you some money this weekend. So straight up, we're in the Prem, but we're dabbling with a little bit of FA Cup as well. We've got Newcastle West Ham. Under 2.5 goals in the early kickoff. I've gone for Chelsea, Man City, FA Cup semi-final. Both teams to score in that. We've had to go down to the championship for one with Norwich to beat Bournemouth just because lack of Prem. And then we're back in the Prem and we've gone Wolves to beat Sheffield United. And you can roughly get that at about 9-1 to one at the moment. And Stan, what can the punters do with the 9-1 to one that I've just presented to them? They can shove it up the rackers. Yes, we're going to have to leave you on a sombre note, listeners. Just as I found out that Pedro Neto will miss the Euros, you'll miss me and Stan when we finish this podcast in a second. But if you need more Cook and Stan fetish, fetish? fetish with a hint of gym go to our insta go to our twitter go to our youtube at cookie podcast one that's at cookie podcast followed by the number one we're on spotify and obviously if you don't have any of them you can get us on our host platform at anchor fm next week is our birthday it's our hundredth episode for the cookie pod to all you real ones that have been there since ep one we love you and you're our favorites if you've joined us since you're not quite our favorites but we do love you all the same (laughs) But it's been episode 99. I've been Cook. I've been with Stan. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. See you then. You're welcome.